the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you, you, worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ, and when he comes he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jog and went back into the city. And she said to the people, Come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He he cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say, Four more months, and then comes a harvest. But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent to you, I say, I sent to, you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him, and up because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, Is it no longer because of what you have said that we believe? For we have heard for ourselves and know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your life that you give us grace and peace and love. We pray that we may use those gifts in the church for you. Amen. The sermon is based on Romans 5, 1 through 11. So, my favorite theologian, Peanuts, Linus is dragging his blanket and saying to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, you look a little depressed. Charlie Brown says, I worry about school a lot. I worry about my worrying about school. Even my anxieties have anxieties. I think we can all sympathize with Charlie Brown. Even our anxieties have anxieties. And worry is destructive. We know that God loves us and will provide for us, but still it's hard to understand that peaceful heart and mind. Martin Luther was a little bit like Charlie Brown. He was worried. And so he said, I am baptized. He was worried that the whole church had lost the understanding of what grace was. He was worried that the church that he loved was trying to put down the truth of the gospel. He was worried that his life was being threatened, and he was worried that he had self-doubts sometimes. And then he would say, I am baptized. And those words have power for all of us. 
when we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let those words sink in. I am baptized. And like the choir's song, it is by grace that it is offered to all people. So during this season of Lent, we focus on Jesus because he is the one who gives us grace. So, the text starts out with peace. Paul is outlining the benefits of standing in a right relationship with God, and the result is peace, given by grace and rejoicing in the hope of the glory awaiting in the future. But we start again with that theme of our baptismal life. Once we have been baptized, we live in an in-between time. We are baptized and we have the promise of eternal life, but in between, we have life itself. We have the community of faith, we have hardship and pain, we have hope, and we live in that tension of the past promise and the future promise. We boast in our hope. And then Paul gives us that daisy chain link, suffering to endurance, endurance to character, character to the ultimate gift of hope, and it ends in love. And so we have peace. We also have hope, that powerful gift. Paul was telling us about a hope that comes from the death of God's own Son. That hope is built and created in the fires of death, and then it was made for us when Jesus suffered and died on the cross, and we have that gospel hope that descended into hell and was raised again, and that is our shield, the shield of hope. It gives us access to grace. It gives us grace up to here, here, here. We are covered in grace. And we stand there in hope. Paul tells us hope does not disappoint. So how do we know this? How do we know that this chain of events is real? And especially hope. We can't prove hope, because if you can prove hope, then it's not hope anymore. But we testify 
We tell what we know. We tell that God has his love poured into us and we know it. So a skeptic comes along and they say, how do you know that? And you, and you say, because I know God's love is within me. It's like falling in love with a person. How do you explain love to another person? You experience it. You know it. You live it. And that's the love that is inside of us, and that is our hope. God's love comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it anchors us in that hope, and it gives us peace, and then someday in the future, everyone will see it. Standing on the Promises by Lewis Smedes, he says that our souls need hope the way our lungs need oxygen. We are created creatures, and we live in a time where our future is unknown, and we need an energy to face the future. And that energy is hope. It keeps us moving. The opposite of hope is worry. And when we get caught up in worry, then that energy to keep moving stops. Hope keeps us going. Worry makes us cautious. Hope helps us to stride in confidence. Worry makes us duck our heads. Too often, we Christians let worry edge out hope. We've all heard it. As we get older and become like saints, and we see death coming, maybe pastors hear it or good friends, am I good enough for God? The worry is there. And maybe we don't sing Jesus loves me because how do we know? And maybe some of us have stopped taking communion because of the line that says, if you take it in an unworthy manner, you will be judged. But Paul is telling us, you're forgetting something. Grace is where you live. We live and are covered by grace. Our relationship with God is peace and hope and joy. So the recipe for hope is this. Suffering, endurance, character, hope. But what if we go through that? 
What if we go through suffering and endurance and, and building character and we get to that point and we are in despair? Did Paul miss something? Is that what life is about? Despair? We have to remember hope was built on suffering and death and resurrection. So until we understand life is, until we understand what the darkest moments of life are, we really don't understand hope. It's not the bad thing of oh, I got a flat tire today. No, it's the thing of, I have seen death. I have seen despair. But there is hope in the promise of our baptism and in the promise of eternal life. And we're in the middle of that promise. So why do we have suffering? Suffering shows us what justification is. Suffering shows us justice, God's grace, and that shows us an experience of God. And we call that experience love. The work of the Holy Spirit is to communicate God's love for us and make it possible for us to love God. Christ's act of going to the cross is love. And that love is poured into us. And out of that love we have peace again, and that inner peace and love allows us to make a difference in our world. We, we who know what darkness is, have a message to share with the world. And we should be about it. So, St. Paul writes, since there, Therefore, since we are justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, That's our good news for the day. We have peace. If we don't have that peace, we lose our energy. If we don't have that peace, we carry burdens and feeling unworthy. And so peace and hope and love and grace, those are the gifts that are given. And as we journey this Lenten season, we journey into Christ. Amen.